Thank you for joining us today. We'll be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll be discussing spiritual wisdom compared to worldly wisdom, as well as rewards in heaven for believers. So if you'll open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll begin our lesson. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day and for this group and for this opportunity to gather together and open your word. I just ask that you remove all the obstacles that we bring with us into this meeting, clear out our hearts and our minds to hear your word and to study your word. And I ask that you just work through me and work through each person here through our discussions so that we can truly learn what you want us to learn today. And beyond that, just help us to apply it in our lives so that when we walk out of the door today, we can continue to change into the people that you want us to be. Help us this week reflect you to all those that we encounter and give us the opportunity to share our faith either through actions or words with the people that we encounter. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're in 1 Corinthians. We're going to be going over 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians, as I mentioned, was written by Paul to the church in Corinth that he had established. This is written about 20 to 25 years after Jesus' death, and he is responding to some questions that the people at the church in Corinth had after his first letter. If you want to go through why is this called the first letter, and yet there was another letter. If you want to understand that, go back and listen to the study that we did on chapter 1. I'd take you through all that. But this is the first letter of Corinthians, which is really the second letter. <laughs> so you can give you a reason to go back and listen to some of the old ones if you missed that discussion. As we closed out chapter 2, what we talked about was that Paul is actually referencing two different types of people at the end of Corinthians chapter 2. And if you look at chapter 2, verse 14, Paul mentions that there is the natural man. This is an unspiritual man. He says, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. And then he talks about the second type of person, the spiritual man, in verse 15. Paul says, But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. And so now, as we go into chapter 3, he's going to talk about the third type of person. And this is what I'll just call a backsliding Christian. Uh, this is someone who has belief, but now they're not growing or they're putting themselves and their pride in front of being spiritual. They're focused on the fleshly things. And so let's start out in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, so that tells you that Paul is talking to all believers. This includes women. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh as to babes in Christ. So he's saying about five years ago, he's talking in the past, about five years ago, he could not speak to the people at the church in Corinth as if they were spiritual, but he had to speak to them as men of the flesh. They were just mere babes in Christ. They were spiritual infants, you might think about. Verse 2, he says, I gave you milk to drink. When you think of milk, think of a mother's milk. Think of it as pre-digested food. So he actually had to digest the food for them. 
he had to be really simple in his teaching five years ago with these folks in Corinth. And the reason for that, he says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. So they were spiritual infant. He says, indeed, even now, so now he's talking in the present, even now you are not able to receive it. I think what he's talking about here is he's saying, while you, you're believers, you're still acting like unbelievers, and you're not growing in your faith. And he says why here in, in verse 3, For you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men, meaning unbelieving men, walking in disobedience? He knows, he's been told that there's lots of quarrels that they're having with one another. We already had talked about the divisions that were beginning to crop up in the church in Corinth. And so that's what he's talking about. Verse 4, For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? So what is he talking about? You'll remember we discussed this. If you'll just go back over to the left to 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, verse 12. He says, verse 12, Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, Peter, that's the name for Peter, and I am of Christ. So there were these divisions that were beginning to crop up. And whoever had brought them to faith, they were looking at as their celebrity. There were these personality divisions. And who they followed, they thought was important. But look what Paul says in verse 13 of chapter 1. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So that's what he's referring back to again here in chapter 3. So let's go back over to chapter 3 in verse 4. I'll read it again. For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? And he answers. He says, we are servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. So he's saying, Look, it's not about Paul, it's not about Apollos, it's not about Peter. They are mere instruments that God is working through. They're servants. And so Paul is saying it's foolish to elevate Paul, Apollos, Peter, others as celebrities and sort of begin to worship them as celebrities as opposed to worshiping the Lord, that it's really the Lord, it's the Lord working through them. And he says that, I think this is, interesting at the end of verse 5 he says even as the lord gave opportunity to each one so that could be a reference to saying that the holy spirit is actually the one that gives us our faith and our understanding the people the holy spirit works through are just instruments that the holy spirit and tools that the holy spirit works through he goes on to explain in verse 6 paul says i planted apollos watered but God was causing the growth. So Apollos is someone who then taught the folks at the church in Corinth after Paul had started the church. But Paul's saying neither is more important than the other, that the Holy Spirit caused the growth, working through both Paul and Apollos. He's saying don't worship the people who are doing the Lord's work. You need to bring glory to God. Verse 7, So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. So he's saying God deserves all the credit and all the praise. 
verse 8. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one. I think he's saying there they have the same purpose. They're trying to help build the kingdom of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through them. But each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. And we're going to spend some time this morning talking about rewards. Let me close out here verse 9 before we discuss this a little further. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Paul is talking about both aspects of ministry, both aspects that are truly needed. You've got to have the planting and you've got to have the watering. Neither is more important. I've said several times, you've probably heard me say this, sometimes I'm the starting pitcher and sometimes I'm the closing pitcher. Mm -hmm. And when I'm sharing the gospel with people, it may be the first time, it may be the second or third time they've heard it, but they're not really ready for it. The Holy Spirit's working on their heart, but they're not really ready for it. I can leave that discussion feeling like I failed. It's like, why didn't they place their faith in Jesus? I must be doing something wrong. No, no, I was doing the planning. That was not my time to do the harvesting. And so whenever you're sharing the gospel with somebody, don't get upset that they didn't place their faith in Jesus Christ right then. Know that you're doing the work of the Lord by planting. Sometimes I just happen to be the one to come in and get to close. And there may have been many others that have shared the gospel or even the way they lived their life. They knew that they began to feel the Lord working on their heart. And I happened to be the last one to come by and share the gospel. And they were ready to receive the gift. You've heard me say it's like this watch. If I offer my watch to you as a gift, if you don't take it, it's not yours. So it had been offered to him several times. I just happened to be the, the one that time that the Holy Spirit worked through, that they were ready to receive it, placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and were saved, became a believer. But again, I have never converted anybody. It's not me. Just like Paul's saying, I'm just the servant. I'm nothing. You see, he says in verse 7, so then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. So I'm not anything. I'm just an instrument. It's God that's doing the work through me, and it is the Holy Spirit doing the work on the person's heart to then open up their heart and mind so that they can receive this gift. Any questions about that? Well, I find fa fascinating about that. For we are God's fellow workers. Does everybody's version say fellow workers? Yes. It's, it's, Absolutely. it's like it is a, is a strong reiteration of what he's already said is we. You know, the word fellow, the sentence would be fine. We are God's workers. You are God's field. But when he says we are God's fellow workers, he is really putting his arms around everybody there. And then he goes on to say, and you are God's field. It's, it's as if we're all on the field of play together. And you can say fellow with God, not only with each other. Well, that's true. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit working through us. So we're fellows with the Holy Spirit and each other working God's that's field. a lot of extra emphasis. Delighted that you brought that out. I'll share this story. A couple of years ago when I was in Mexico on a mission trip, we started the morning one day. This was about midway through the trip. And we probably spent the first couple of hours out walking the streets, sharing the gospel with people. And 
nobody had come to faith. And I could see the whole team was just getting sort of, we're, we're not all with each other, but we're going down the street on each side of the street with each other. And I could tell people were getting depressed and felt like they were just doing something wrong or it wasn't going well. And I said, let's all get together here. Let's pray. We prayed about what we were doing, asked for the Holy Spirit to help us, asked for the Holy Spirit to bring us people that he had prepared for our message. But I told everyone, I said, don't feel like we're failing. You could just tell people we'd worked for a couple hours and nobody had come to faith. And that was very unusual. And I said, don't worry about that. We're planting seeds right now. We're actually doing a good thing, and we're honoring God by doing that. So don't be down. This is really, this is exciting work that we're doing. I know you don't feel like it, but you need to adjust your mind, and that's Satan trying to make you feel like you're failing. Feel great that we're out here, we're able to plant seeds out here on the streets. We prayed, everybody felt a lot better. We finished praying, and I look up, and here comes a guy on a, one of those bicycles, and he's selling shaved ice snow cones. He comes right up to me, and he says, for some reason, I need to talk to you. I thought that was strange, so I said, do you want to hear my story? He says, yes, and so I gave him my testimony, and he said, you're not going to believe this. But I never come down this street, and for some reason, God put it on my heart to come down this street this morning. Mm -hmm. And when I saw you, I knew that was why. And he prayed a simple prayer, became a Christian right there with us. And he said, what group are you all with? Are you with a church? And I explained that we were from Texas, but there were some people with us from a church that we were working with just down the street. And I told him that I was going to be preaching that night and invited him to come. And he goes, I know the pastor at that church. Hmm. He is my next door neighbor, and he has been working on me for about almost 10 years. Hmm. And I never was ready to hmm. place my faith in Jesus Christ, but today was the day. And I turned to my group and I said, you think our pastor felt like we did just about 10 minutes ago that he's been working with this guy for 10 years, planting seeds, and yet today was the day. That's great. Today was the day, and it just fired everyone up, and I actually talked about that at church that night. So you never know. You never know if you're going to be the starting pitcher or the closing pitcher. The important thing is get engaged. And if you feel the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart, you might be in a restaurant, happens at gas stations to me, at grocery stores. It can happen anywhere, anytime. Just be tuned in to it. It's amazing. Hey, to Larry. Yes. So when you think about that, how many guys in this group, and I'm, I'm not there with y'all, but how many of you can That's right. Probably, probably none of us, you know, but we had a grandma or we had an aunt or uncle or somebody that shared it with us, and it, and it sat there. Probably most of you are a lot like me, like maybe in college or sometime you said, okay, I'm, I'm finally going to embrace that truth and that seed, but it sat there for a long time. That's a great point that each of us, I'm going to guess, had to have heard the gospel from somebody. We heard something somewhere before we came to faith. I've asked you this many times. Why do you think God left us here? 
Why doesn't he just zap us up to heaven as soon as we place our faith in Jesus Christ? Well, I think he leaves us here. We have a job to do. And it's important that we each figure out what that job is. Just why does he have us here? Great discussion. Okay, so let's go on, and we're going to spend probably the rest of the time talking about rewards. I'm now in verse 10 of chapter 3. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, your translation may say architect, I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. Let each man be careful how he builds upon it. So Paul is giving all credit to God for using Paul to build the foundation. Paul's also warning us against building on the foundation of God using false teachings. You've got to build very carefully. You've got to go about it very carefully. And he says in verse 11, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he's saying, don't build on the foundation with human wisdom. You remember I talked about the cornerstone a while back? And the cornerstone is the first stone that is placed on the building. And that cornerstone has to be perfect. That's why Christ is called the cornerstone. Because if that first stone that's laid, the cornerstone, is not perfect on all sides, the walls will be totally messed up. So that's why that first cornerstone, Christ, we are then, through the sanctification process, become conformed to that cornerstone. Isn't that a cool analogy? And so Paul's saying, no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is our foundation. Verse 12, now if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as though through fire. Let's go back and unpack this a bit. What he's saying is we each are given gifts from God and how we use those gifts that we receive and how we use those to build upon the foundation, we're going to be judged and rewarded on that. This is not about earning our salvation. Let me be very clear about that. Remember when we were in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not as a result of works that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's clear that we don't earn our salvation through our works. Our works have nothing to do with our salvation. However, God created us as we become believers. He created us to do good works. He's given us gifts to help build the kingdom and to be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those that we encounter through the way we act, through our words. And when we die, we are going to be judged by how we did with the gifts that God gave us. This is not about going to heaven or hell. This is about rewards that we will receive in heaven based upon how we lived our lives. What did we do with the opportunities that God gave us? 
What did we do with the gifts that God gave us? Did we use them in a way to bring glory to ourselves? I'm all that. Look what I built. I built this company. I built this feeling like we're all that. Well, he says in other places, you received your reward. All that glory that you brought to yourself while you were living there, that was your reward. You'll have nothing. So that'll be like the wood, hay, and straw. As you pass through the fire, you're going to be left with nothing. It's all going to burn up. You see what it said? If any man's work is burned up, you'll suffer loss, meaning you're going to lose everything. You're not going to have anything. But you're not going to lose your salvation. He says, but he himself shall be saved. You see that in verse 15? But the man or woman who builds with silver, precious stones, gold, those are people who use the gifts that God gave you in a way that brings glory to God and helps build his kingdom. Those things are going to be rewarded. And let me also say that God's rewards, they're not going to be on the basis of our labor. It's not how many people did we bring to Christ, for instance. It isn't going to be based on that. It's going to be based on our motive. It's going to be based on why we're doing what we're doing. Are we doing it to bring glory to ourselves? What's the condition of our heart as we're doing things? When you give gifts to the church or to the poor or to a charity or what have you, that's great. That's what God wants you to do with the money that he's given you. But if you do it in a way that brings glory to yourself, he says in other places, that was your reward. Great. So you're listed as the top donor at, at some charity event. Way to go. Glad you did that. That's great. But you got your reward. If you can do it in a way that doesn't bring glory to yourself, it's the condition of your heart. So think about that next time you're making a donation. What is your motive? Is it to bring glory to God or is it to bring glory to yourself? When you look at 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15 that we just read, what Paul's talking about is that believers are going to be rewarded according to the service that we gave and how we went about that service while we're here on the earth. This is not about works in order to earn salvation, as I showed you in Ephesians and as you can clearly see in verse 15, because this man's work is burned up, he suffers loss, but he's still saved. So believers are saved, but we're going to have rewards based upon our faithful service. So let me show you a couple of other. We're going to skip around a little bit now, so hang on. I'll try to go right to left as best I can. Go back over to the left to the first book in the New Testament, Matthew. And we're going to go to Matthew 25. Let's start at verse 14. Let me read this parable to you. This is Jesus talking, and Jesus says, For it is just like a man. By the way, he's talking about heaven. If you look up at verse 1, I'm not going to go through the first parable. He says, then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable. So he's talking about heaven here. Verse 14, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And he gave to one five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. So right there, Jesus is saying that we each have different abilities. We, we have different gifts. You might look at somebody and say, gosh, I wish I could preach like Chris. We all have different gifts. And God gives us opportunities and things to do with those gifts according, as he says here, according each to his own ability, according to the gifts that God has given us. And he continues, and he went on his journey. So this is the man that's going on the journey. 
Verse 16, immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, <coughs> saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Let me just point out, do you see here the one who was given five and gained five and the one who was given two and earned two? Do you see the same thing was said to both of them? So it's not how many talents they earned. That's not how you're judged. Do you see that? Because they were both told the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Do you see that? So the reward was based on their faithfulness, not on the amount. You see that? Okay, continuing on with verse 24. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed, though you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. What you see here, it just came to my mind. I heard this analogy one time, and I'm going to get it wrong. Maybe some of you have heard it before. There was a guy that died and went to heaven and they show up at the gates of heaven and some angels get this person and Jesus has prepared an amazing room for you. Just follow me. And so the guy's walking, walking to go see his room and he keeps passing by all these rooms and there's all these unopened gifts in all these rooms, like huge presents, gifts in every room. Finally he says, whoa, 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 stop. What are all those gifts? And the angel turns to him and says, those were all the gifts that God gave you that you never opened. I'm taking you to another room. Interesting. I, it's just something to think about. That's not biblical, but just kind of interesting to think about what you're doing with your gifts. So I have a question. What this guy says is that he was afraid. I was afraid. And yet what he's chastised about is being wicked and lazy. Being afraid is a human condition that doesn't necessarily make you concurrently wicked and lazy. What are your thoughts about that? I think it gets back to faith. Because you see what he said to the other two is, well done, good and faithful servant. So they had faith. 
And I think this person who was afraid didn't have the faith to even be able to overcome their fear. I I agree with that. I agree with that. But that's the words. Wicked wicked is a harsh word. There's lots of people out there that are are afraid or don't have faith. And that's that's just been a passage that's always troubled me why that transcends you into being wicked. Lazy is a harsh word. Lazy is too, but wicked is even worse. Well, if you're separated from God, who are you aligning yourself with? I, I understand. I understand that, but that would that would be something I would call unfortunate. Or I, I'm just that's been always something that I've, how you became wicked by doing that is something that. So his view up. of the master is that he is a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So you're unfair. You are unfair, and so I can't trust you. So it's now what the man is doing is ascribing to the master characteristics that are not true. And so that's the wickedness of his heart coming out. And yeah. so he says, you are evil. It's like when you have a, someone ever work for you says, you are just, you just want to make more money. You just want to blah, blah. You don't care about me. And so he's got it all wrong. And so God says, all right, if that's the way you see it, yeah. have it your and way. I, and I, to, that, to that point, it says... I see you as a hard man, mm-hmm. so I was afraid. Mm-hmm. So I, I do see that mm-hmm. connection. But but that that condition that's described is probably applicable to a huge swath of our population. Sure. Well, I guess anytime you're saying, God, you're not fair, God, you're not good, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the heart of what he's saying. When people say that, anyone that has really, really tough things in their life, a tragedy, sure. they say that. They do. They do. And that's the the one who has faith says, God, this is really hard. I know you're good. I don't know how. I don't understand. And boy, that's, that's like master level uh, life skill. I, I get the celebration of faith. I totally mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. that. I think there's, there's also another section there, too, where you're talking about, about the master and the way he approached the master. Mm-hmm. Well, he further went on with it by instead of taking what was the master's, he made it about the master of him because mm-hmm. he went and buried it instead of putting it in the bank where he could have easily earned an interest without having to do, do anything on it. Mm-hmm. Instead, he gave him back the talent and he's like, you know, stick it back to that. you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's kind of what I'm looking yeah. at. Oh, that's you know, good. It's about the master. Yeah. And but we do that in our faith too we, at times. We do. We get angry at God. We do. We get angry in the way we approach God. Yeah. Huh. And sometimes we're like, I'm gonna bury my talent. Forget him. But, you but know this, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take what's mine. Yeah. Not worry about you. The, this guy didn't lose his talent. That's right. He he just put it in the ground, and so he comes back and says, "Here it is." Yeah. So you know he could have squandered, squandered, squandered it. But listen yeah. to what you're saying. When we all stand before God, mm-hmm. and we think about the talent, the gift that God gave us, mm. did we bury it? That's good. No, I understand. Are we going to just show up and say, here it is back? Or are we going to be able to say, have, it, here's it, what we did with it? No, it, may no, not, I, it may not have been about, <clears throat> about gaining or losing. It may have yeah. been just about trying. It may have yeah. been having faith in him, say, here's, here's a talent, go do something with it. Right. This guy well, did nothing. Listen, I, I, mean, I believe... See, if, if he had gone out and done yeah. something and lost it, the master might have said, well, your intentions were good. You tried. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not chastising you for losing it. I think that's right. I think that's, I think that's right tried, too. The guy, just, the guy did absolutely nothing. He's, yeah. I'm not, no, I, I think that's right too. Because I, I think, so. I think we're going to have to account for what have you done with your life that you'd like to yeah. show me. I, I think we will. Yeah. 
What's always troubled me is the road in between the absolute success of 100% return that both the two segments gave and the one who gave zero return. I don't consider myself 100% success very often, so it's, it's kind of hard to figure out where to relate in between the two as far as in a day-to-day -day human perspective. And I think the reason in that parable that we see five talents and two talents is really to show it's not about the amount. It's about being faithful with the gifts that you've been given. It's yes, not so much yes. the return. Even though they both got 100% return, right. I wouldn't get too hung up on that. It's more about your heart and what you do with the gifts that God has yeah. given you. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Because uh, remember, he gets he gets 100% return, and then there isn't like, now you're going to be over way more than this other guy. It's you were faithful with little, I'll put you over much. And they get the same sort of response, which I really appreciate. That was, that was good. Let me show you a few more things, and that was great discussion. If you'll go over to Romans 14.10, that's just to the left of 1 Corinthians where we were. Romans 14.10 says, But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. And I'm going to show you a few more verses, and then we're going to discuss this. Now I'd like you to go back over to Corinthians. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 4. So it's just the next chapter over from where we were. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time. That's really the second coming of Christ. But wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. So I think what's important about that verse is Christ is going to expose what's hidden, even our motives and our intentions. And God is going to honor those who are faithful to Christ and who go about using our gifts in a way that has the right motive to bring glory to God rather than to ourselves. Now go a little bit further over to the right. We'll go into 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And then let me show you one more, and then we'll talk about this. Go all the way to the back, Revelation 22, very last book of the New Testament, Revelation 22, and last chapter. Some good stuff in this chapter. Let's start at verse 12. He says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. You see that? So we're all going to stand before Christ. Believers are going to be not judged on whether we have salvation or not. We have our salvation. We're assured of that. But our works are then going to be judged in order for us to receive our rewards. The unbelievers we're going to see, they're actually going to be judged on their works also, but their judgment is for salvation, and it's not going to go too well for them. Let me show you where that is. If you're still in Revelation, just go back two chapters to Revelation 20. Let's start in verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophet are also. They had already been thrown into the lake of fire. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So there are some people out there, non-believers, who think, well, it ain't going to be that bad. All that's going to happen is I'm going to die. 
and I'll just go away. It's like I'm annihilated. I'll go away. Well, unfortunately, that's not right. We all are going to live for eternity. Everyone. Everyone lives into eternity. And you're either going to be with Christ or you're going to be in the lake of fire, tormented forever and ever, day and night. So let's read on. Verse 11. I'm in Revelation 20. And I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. No place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Let me just say, and we don't have time today. We spent a whole lesson on this, uh, several lessons on this. At this point in time, all believers are already with Christ. So we're talking about unbelievers. When he says, I saw the dead, great and small, these are unbelievers that are now standing before the throne. And books were opened. These are books that are going to contain all their works, and there's going to be a review of their life. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. As believers, our names are written in that book. I'm not going to spend time on that today, but our names are in that book of life. So the dead are judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. You see in verse 12. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Again, these are unbelievers. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. So anybody who is not a believer, whose name is not written in the book of life, they're thrown into the lake of fire with Satan, as we saw in verse 10, and that's where they'll be forever. Is this, is this um, she connected back to the sort of wicked and lazy mm. um, comment? I mean, basically, you have two people who exercised faith and one that didn't. And whatever their underlying reason, like, they didn't. They didn't uh, come to faith. Um, so, like, you're going to end up in the book, <laughs> the ring of fire. You're going to end up in, in hellfire forever and ever. That's where you end up. That's how, that's why, like, yes, you might have been afraid, but that's, I mean, like, what are you more afraid of? So let's go back over to 1 Corinthians, and we'll close out our lesson. I'm in verse 16, chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become foolish that he may become wise. Paul's talking about don't become so impressed with yourself. Don't let pride take over. Don't be one where you begin to substitute your own ideas for the truth of God and God's word. Human wisdom is just foolishness. And you should use God's spiritual wisdom, which, by the way, appears as foolishness to our culture. That's what he's talking about here. And now he's going to quote from Job in this next verse. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness before God, for it is written, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And then verse 20, And again, the Lord knows the reasonings, your translation may say the thoughts, of the wise that they are useless and that's out of psalm 94 boasting in men and boasting in our human wisdom that's foolishness to god 
And yet that's what we see just pervades our culture, this human wisdom. He goes on, verse 21, so then let no one boast in men. We shouldn't boast in ourselves. For all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, being Peter, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. So he's closing out saying Christ has given us incredible gifts. We have an incredible inheritance as God's adopted sons. That appears as foolishness to our culture. But don't ever forget the inheritance that we've been given. And don't forget that our salvation is secure. And so as I just sort of wrap this up, some of my takeaways here were what led to Paul's discussion were these divisions in the church. And Paul is clearly saying divisions in the church are contrary to the gospel and to God's word. And Paul's also saying that God loves all believers, and so we should love all believers. We shouldn't be having all these disagreements. Just wait till we get over to the part that talks about lawsuits. Uh, so God loves everyone. So is there a chapter on lawsuits in the chapter? Uh, yes. Um, and so we should too. And I think he's saying that we should be loyal to Christ. We should honor the Lord instead of worshiping celebrities, which we see so pervasive in our culture. Just look at Hollywood. And that we should live our lives utilizing the gifts that God has given us to bring glory to him, to help build his kingdom, and not use those gifts in a way that bring glory to ourselves. And if we do that, we can be expected to be given a reward when we get to heaven. This is not about earning our salvation. Our salvation is secure as believers, but we are going to be asked to give an account of how we lived our life and what did we do with all the opportunities that God gave us. And if that isn't something that shouldn't really hit your heart hard this morning, I think we all have work to do, myself definitely included, something we ought to all reflect on. Any questions or comments? And don't bury your reward. Use it. Don't be afraid. Hey, uh, Larry, I think it's kind of cool, the, the intricacy of God's grand design, that, that he, he, you know, he, the details of it, and he says, okay, 2,000 years ago, he says, okay, we're going to call money talents, and that's just that's what it's going to be called, and then 2,000 years from now, there's going to be a totally different language, and talents is going to mean something totally different, but what it's going to do, it's going to fit right into this parable, and it's going to be perfect, and it's going to tie it all together, and you get, it's going to hit people over the head with, oh, yeah, it really is. What else? Can I offer something? I was just reading further on my yeah. comments since partly answers my own question. As reading Matthew uh, 25, 27, when the master is speaking to him being wicked and lazy, he goes on to say, well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would receive it back with interest. As I think about that, he's saying, well, okay, maybe you didn't double it. But you should at least gotten some interest on it. We all know today what the interest rate is, right? It's pretty dang small. <laughs> but maybe what he's saying is do something. Do something. Which kind of goes to your point, too. I mean, it, it, maybe you don't have to double it, but don't sit and do nothing with your talent. As I think about it, maybe that's, a, that's what he's saying. I still have some issues with the word wicked. Cause <clears throat> I think people are born fallible and directionless, and, and there's a huge, terrible consequence for that maybe that's that's well, well think about that we are all born wicked we are all messed up we are messed up 
But when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, now we're seen as righteous. So the opposite good, of righteous of is wicked, yeah. perhaps. I was, I was connecting this to the, um, everything that man considers to be wise is just ridiculous. Yeah. And <laughs> in this, I'm raising itty, itty bitty kids now, and my um, three-year-old, whenever anything uh, even remotely problematic uh, from his perspective happens, the person that's doing it is mean, and everything is unfair. <laughs> and there I look at go. that with the wisdom of an adult human, and I was like, well, you're but we constantly complain about things being unfair, and we have a we have a different calculus than my three-year-old. But it comes back to like from God's perspective, everything that we're coming to conclusion about is just ridiculous and stupid yeah. to begin with. Yeah, we're all some degree of wicked, and yeah. the only way we we wash ourselves is through faith in, in Jesus. That's good. Um, I don't know if we're going to cover this in the future, but the, uh, some of the stuff that. She, judgment related to works I'm having a hard time you know I, I see this this very bright line tests everybody below the line uh, fire and brimstone forever everybody above the line it's heaven and yet there isn't there is still in fact judgment of the works and so I'm trying to figure out like does it just inherently everything get burned away during that judgment process and literally the only thing that matters is that line or is it like the sort of non-biblical uh, story that you said that like the experience in heaven is actually marginally differentiated that is that what what is happening yeah. um, so it's not far from Dante's Inferno it's, it's all like great right. um, you're in you're in you're in great but uh, for some they're in like you know at the right hand of Jesus and for others they're you know in the back of the hall or something I, I, so I'm, is that actually the right way of thinking about this concept of judging works even after you've placed your faith in Christ yes Short answer, yes. So you've got kind of like a reward system, like, so hey, you be in charge of 10 cities, you'll be in charge of two cities. So it's, it's I hate to say it's not gonna be that much different than life here. There's still cities, there's still houses, there's still governmental policy, there's still all that stuff being meted out. It's just your role, or it's more of like the hierarchy system. If you get in based uh, as one through fire, then you're just grateful to be there, and you get to be the janitor on the street corner, and hey, hallelujah. And on the, on the flip side, there is a, a judgment of works. You're still in hell and separated from God, but the punishment is probably Hitler's probably way down there in really, really hot and, you know, painful time. And, and they're the, the, the guy that was a scared, the scared and scared, is, right. you know, he's, he's in the normal lava, not the... Right, yeah, I don't know. And again, this is where, like, this is where it gets kind of confusing. Like, I don't know. All that. I want to offer this. I think for us here in our in our earthly realm to ever really conceptualize those degrees, yeah. no pun intended, <laughs> uh, uh, we can't we can't conceptualize that dimension. We we we've been given a tiny window into a massive massive picture and yeah and but the, again i think the the concept that there is some kind of different i agree with the concept yeah both, uh, there's a bright line heaven hell and inside both there yes. are degrees yes that is in fact sort of a valid interpretation of mm. all this mm -hmm. yes okay right. and in heaven there won't be any tears or crying or yeah. you right. know envy that somebody yeah. is somewhere else yeah. You'll be happy. excited for them because there's no yeah. sin. It's, not, it's like, hey, way to go. You know? If you're the janitor, you're not going to have envy. Too. Yeah, right. You're like, I'm just glad to be here. <laughs> and back to the sort of the parable of the talents. Whatever your earthly uh, distribution of resources, you doubled your, you doubled it, your talents. You're going to get, you're going to be over many in heaven. Right. 
I don't think it's a mouth well, that you double the talents. It may be that take someone who's a missionary. Well, that's that, I don't. Yeah, I don't mean it for their whole life. Sense. Yeah. And let's say that missionary, they spent their whole life in some really bad place, and they were able to bring through their whole life 10 people to Christ. But their heart, they poured themselves out for those people their entire life. Somebody like that may be at a, I don't want to call it higher place, but you know, a, a different place, more rewards. Let's do it that way. That person may receive more rewards than somebody who maybe brought a thousand people to faith, allowed the Holy Spirit to work to them because the way they went about it was all about themselves. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so it. it's not the it's not the amount. Yeah, it's God, your heart. God used them in spite of them. Yes. Yeah. I think it's your heart. It's not it's what you did and your intentions and your motives and your heart in going about using those gifts. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mega preacher versus the mission. Yeah. yeah. Thinking about just kind of wrapping up when we were talking about the those who took their talents and did something with it, the one who didn't and kind of gave their fingers to the master. Because he could have at least put it in the bank. When we talk about zero to 100%, where are we on giving? The question is, it all goes back to the heart and the faith. Yeah. If you're listening to God, listening to what he's asking you to do, then it doesn't matter what you are. As long as you're striving towards listening to God's heart 100%. Good discussion. Thank you for joining us today. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to me at LarryO'Donnell.com. I hope you'll join us next time as we continue our study.